We're gonna mix it up today. We're gonna mix it up. We're gonna talk about widows and orphans and how God takes things and mixes them up. It's nice to be here. My name is JT Olson. I'm the president and founder of Both Hands Foundation. It's nice to be here at Westside. Uh, like to say hi to all the folks at Speedway, the folks in the South Hall, and everyone online. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. I know so much. I've heard so much about your church. And this last week, last couple of days, I've been here at a conference and have met so many what I consider heroes, you know. And I, I love telling the story of both hands because it's a story of how God can take something that's, that's hard and painful but can turn into something that's just amazingly powerful. And every story has to start somewhere. This story starts Christmas Eve, 2001. I'm headed to the attic to get the stockings to hang by the chimney with care, because that's my job every 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And I get up to the attic, and I look around, and I see a crib, and I see a stroller, I see a high chair, and the thought hits me, we've got everything we need to raise another child. I should tell you, for the previous couple years, my wife and I had been involved in some discussions about adoption because I was on the board of Bethany Christian Services. That's an organization that ministers to women in crisis pregnancies, and they're an adoption center, and I was on the board. Well, and let me tell you why I was on the board of Bethany because I used to work with college students. As a college student, the way I paid for college, I sold books door to door with the Southwestern Company. Great, great experience for me. I was led to Christ by the senior vice president at Southwestern, and I had a chance to work with that company for another 20 years after I graduated. And I worked with college students. It was awesome. And college students, like all the rest of us, from time to time, they make mistakes. And every once in a while, some of the women students I worked with would find themselves in a situation that they hadn't planned. And this particular instance, I remember it was 92 or 93, every year Southwestern would have a big meeting in Nashville. Like 800 students from around the country would come to Nashville to kind of kick off the fall, the, the, the spring recruiting season, you know, and get ready for the summertime. Well, this meeting, I had, there's about 700, 800 kids in, and about 50 of them, I was, they were my students. I worked with them. I had a busy two, three days ahead of me. First thing I hear from one of my main guys, he walks in and he says, Deb Brigham is pregnant. I go, oh. And she's scheduled for an abortion next Wednesday in Iowa. And Deb went to University of Wisconsin at Madison. And for some, I, I don't know, it was a miracle, but my wife, and my wife, by the way, she sold books too when she was a student. She was actually one of my students. <laughs> Just, I know what you're thinking. It's a good story. Uh, but, but she was very familiar with the business and she, the students loved her. She, she was very connected to the group. She, we had a three-year-old and an infant. Somehow, miraculously, we had childcare taken. So the next two days, my wife spent two days with Deb and just trying to help her see some things from a different perspective, maybe give her a little bit more information. Like, you know, Deb, this is not the end of the world. Uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of people who would rather love to adopt this child. There's a whole lot of things happening. She says, no, my mom and dad are gonna be so disappointed, they're gonna hate me. You know, my brother's been in trouble, my sister's in trouble, I'm kind of the star, and now it's gonna give them this. Oh, no, and we said, no, your mom and dad will love you. It's not the end of the world, you know. Let's go get a picture of this, and it was like, no. And, said, and Sarah even said, you know, JT and I, we wanna have another child, we'll adopt your child. You come live with us. We'll adopt this child. 
And then you can go back to Madison and life will go on. Yes, and she was, no. And she left Saturday. I remember that Saturday, just defeated. And she drove back to Madison. But somewhere along the road from Nashville to Madison, she heard a song that was popular that year by Eric Clapton. There was a line in there that said, Would you know my name if you saw me in heaven? And something snapped. Deb changed her mind. She went back. She told her mom and dad. Her mom and dad did what we said she would. They loved her. And it was all okay. A week later, she shows up on our doorstep and says, is that deal still good? <laughs> and we did, we, we did what you guys would all do if you had room. Say, yeah, come on in. It's okay. Get in here. And, and she lived with us. And I remember at one point during the time she lived with us, she and Sarah went to the doctors together. And uh, that's when we found out we were pregnant. But the way God works, Deb had decided to keep this baby and she couldn't figure out how to tell us. So it worked out, except I'm living with two pregnant women. <laughs> anyway, Ashton was born and a little while after Ashton was born, Sarah and I got a card in the, in the mail like, like none I've ever received. It was from Ashton's grandma, Deb's mom. Just a regular card, because I've never seen God, but I know how I feel. It's people like you who make him so real. Just simple, God bless you for being so special. But there was, inside there was a couple lines that just rocked me. It said, Dear Sarah and JT, thank you for being there when my Debbie needed someone. I'll never be able to thank you enough for saving my grandchild. This will rock your world when you get something like this. This doesn't rust. This doesn't fade away. This doesn't, well, this is what life's about. This is it. It's making an impact, making a difference. And I remember back in the 90s, I think we ended up having four different women stay with us. And a couple of times we became pregnant while we had the deal going on and they didn't want, they changed their mind. And I said, okay, no more girls. <laughs> but in the process, I saw Bethany come in and minister, Bethany Christian Services came in and ministered to these girls, didn't charge them a dime, helped them figure out, do I want to keep this baby, do I want to put up for adoption, how should I do this, and it was awesome. So when I left Southwestern, I wanted to do something to kind of give my life away. I thought, well, what's an organization? Bethany. So I joined Bethany. So we're in Bethany, and I am in the mix, I am, I am in the world of adoption. I'm seeing our pastor adopt, I'm seeing friends adopt, I'm seeing just people I know all over the place. And why aren't we adopting? Well, we had started a business and we had a whole bunch of money going out, not a lot coming in, you know, and, and every time, it, adoption's expensive. And, you know, I'd come home from a Bethany meeting and my wife would say, well, so how was the meeting? Ah, oh, it was good. We got this much and that money here's and this is happening and this is happening. And, and by the way, there's two kids down at the neonatal unit in Baptist Hospital. She said, oh, let's go see them. And I said, Why? Well, maybe we want to adopt him. No, we can't. We, I mean, if we do that, it costs this much. We don't have that kind of money. If we do, we'd have to go into our life savings. Do you want to go into our life savings? And that would kind of, okay, fine. And then that's a month would pass. 
I'd say, I'd come back from a meeting. How was the meeting? Ah, oh, it was good. We got this going, and this event's happening, and this event's happening, and blah, 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 blah. And, and there's, oh, there's a new baby down at Southern Hospital, Southern Hills. Oh, let's go see him. And I said, what? We can't. You know. I said, do you want to use our, do you want to go into our life savings? And it would quiet her. At one point, she told me, she stopped me. She said, listen, we have four kids. I'll be happy with four kids the rest of my life. And I'd be just as happy with one more. We got four other kids. They would love to have a new baby brother or sister. We got five of us going this direction. There's only one person around here who's kind of up and down. And she said, you know what? I can't take it any longer. Talk to your friends about adoption. Do whatever you want, but don't talk to me until you're ready. When you're ready, let me know. And then meanwhile, I'm putting the kids in bed, and every night it's like, and dear God, please let dad let us adopt. (laughs) So it's Christmas Eve, 2001. I'm headed to the attic to get the stockings to hang by the chimney with care. Because that's my job. I look around the attic, and I see a stroller. I see a playpen. I see a high chair. And the thought hits me, we've got everything we need to raise another child. What's wrong with using a life savings to save a life? It's like God dealt with my greed, my insecurity, right there. You know, some people, their dad takes them to the woodshed. My father took me to the attic. (laughs) And he dealt with it. And I I just thought, what am I doing? What's important? I remember walking down the stairs, Sarah was on her way up or something, and I passed her and I said, Sarah, we got a high chair, we got a crib, we got a stroller. She thought I was going to say, it's time for a yard sale, let's get rid of this. And I just looked at her and I said, what's wrong with using a life savings to save a life? She said, are you serious? Yeah. Can I tell the kids? <laughs> yeah. And that next morning, the kids in their stocking all got a note and said, you're going to be a big brother, big sister. And on December 26, I remember it very clearly. My wife was on it like a dog on a pork chop. (laughs) And she really (laughs) made an impact. In fact, in the the early summer of 2003, we got this picture of little Gracie. Yeah, yeah. And then, and so we adopted her in 2003. September 15th was Gotcha Day, 2003. And now she's graduated last year from high school. Yeah, I've got her wrapped around my little finger, let me tell you. <laughs> it's, this picture does remind me of the phrase, old dad versus no dad. I'd rather be an old dad than them have no, no dad. And that's... That's my little Gracie. And I should introduce my wife. Sarah, would you stand up? This is my wife who made all that happen. <laughs> so, so there I am on the board of Bethany, you know, and I'm in charge of the fundraiser one year. And I said, well, let's do a golf fundraiser. You know, and it's kind of where you send letters out to people and say, would you sponsor me while I golf? Everyone get that concept, you know, sponsor me kind of thing, like 5K. I send my letters like, like I'm supposed to. I had a buddy who I'm in a Bible study with sends my letter back to me. 
does not include a check. He just scribbled on my letter. He said, JT, if you told me you were working on a widow's house, I might sponsor you. But you're just golfing. Nice cause, but not my money. Kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. But at the same time, I thought, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. And every time I, you know, I call, and I called him a couple days later. We talked about it and laughed about it. He still didn't give me any money. Uh, but the idea never left me. Whenever I saw a 5K or a golf tournament like that, I kept thinking, if all those people were working on a widow's house, would it be better? Would it be more compelling? Would it be better for the community? I just didn't have the orphan part figured out. Until a couple years later, I run into a good friend of mine in church. Hadn't seen him in a couple months. You know, I say, hey, Don, how you doing? And Don just stopped. He says, we're adopting four kids from Moldova. <laughs> Don has three children at home. And I said, what happened? <laughs> he said, I went on a mission with Sweet Sleep delivering beds to orphanages in Moldova and fell in love with this little boy, George. And when we got home, we started the process and found out George has three siblings. He says, we're not going to break up the siblings. And it took me back to when I was 12 years old living on a farm in northeastern Iowa. There was five of us kids. And I remember one weekend my mom and dad left to celebrate their 16th wedding anniversary. And us kids were kind of farmed out to different places. And I remember Saturday night being brought home because mom and dad were coming home Saturday night. And the neighbor dropped us off. I was dirty. I played in the barn all day, so I was dirty. I had to go in the basement to change. My, one of my other brothers, he went in the front door. But I remember sitting in our basement in this chair, bending over, unlacing my boots. And my brother came down the stairs. I looked up at him, and I said, our mom and dad home. And he looked at me, and he said, mom and dad are dead. And I, I said, what? He said, Mom and Dad are dead. They were killed in a car accident an hour ago. And he turned around and walked upstairs. I mean, in his defense, he had just heard as he walked through the front door, and, you know, he just heard himself. But I remember hitting that cold cement floor in our, house, in our farmhouse in Iowa, wailing like any 12-year-old would wail. I know what it's like to be an orphan. I know it's like to hear those words. I know it's like, it, it's like everything that keeps you tethered in life, you don't realize, but it's like snipped. You don't realize. It just, it's just like floating. It's hard to describe. But I know that feeling. I know it's like to wonder what's going to happen to us. I know it's like to think, are we going to get split up? Who's going to take care of us? I know it's like to wonder what's going to happen. I know it's like to wake up the next morning and for the first 15 seconds think it's all a dream. And the next 15, 20 seconds you're making sure it is a dream and then you realize it's not. I'm never going to see mom and dad again. And oh, I wish my goodbye with my father had been different. But I also know what it's like to be rescued. Because three months before the accident, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, my mom's sister and her husband, they changed their wills. That if anything would happen to one of the families, the other family would take them. My aunt and uncle were 
33 years old. They live in a nice suburb of Milwaukee. They had just started a business a year earlier. They had three children. They took all five of us. I know what it's like to have someone come up and say, we got you. We got you. It may not always be pretty, but we got you. Back to the hallway church with Don. Don says we're not going to break up the siblings. I am the just right guy to say that to. Because I'm not going to sit and say, are you sure? I mean, and I, and I remember clearly the thought that went through my head was, here's a man who's trusting God in a way that I envy. I want to have that kind of faith. I looked at Don. I said, Don, because we had adopted by then, I said, how much is this going to cost? He said, well, they're telling us seventy or 80000 with all the travel. I said, do you have any idea how you're going to raise that money? He said, no. And I said, I think I got an idea. And so Don and I, we recruited about 13, 14 of our friends. We found a widow in Nashville to serve, Miss Lucille. We got all the supplies donated. We, I mean, because everyone we talked to loved the idea. You know, the only thing we spent money on was stamps. We all sent letters out. I don't know how many letters we sent out, probably 1,000 or whatever. But we sent letters out saying, would you sponsor me for the day while I work on Miss Lucille's house? All the money I raise is going to go towards the cost of this adoption. You get it? It's two separate entities being blessed. The widow and the orphan. And we, 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 we had a great day. I remember that day. It was beautiful. I think about 30, 35 people showed up. Everyone had a great time because they were giving their life away. Walking around smiling. I think we're all born with this spot in our heart that's meant to be given away. And when it gets filled up, a smile happens. You know? And it was awesome. And when it was all over, we had raised a little over $70,000. Yeah! I'm yeah. <laughs> going, whoa! I mean, I didn't... I was expecting maybe you know, 10,000, 15,000. I was blown away. It's like we were standing on holy ground. It probably was. It's widows and orphans. Six months later, another friend of mine asked me, he said, well, I heard you do it down. Would you help me? And I said, sure, let's do it again. And we ended up uh, working on Miss Diane's house. Miss Diane's husband was killed seven months earlier in a car accident. She had a fourth grader, an eighth grader. The Curses were bringing a child home from Guatemala. The two parties came together again, a widow... And an orphan, and we worked on her house. I remember, and then we put a new roof on her house, which is not something I'm telling you should not do. Um, <laughs> but we had guys who knew how to do it, so it worked. But we got it donated, and it was beautiful. I remember standing on top of that roof and counting the people. There was 54 people there. We had transformed the front of her yard. We transformed the back of her yard, and we put a new roof on. And then I counted the cars, and there was 19 cars on the street. And I thought, what a testament to the neighborhood. This is how you take care of a widow. And it took me back to the farm. I remember getting off the bus about a month after the accident. Uh, we were still on the farm, us three boys, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, because my dad had a brother, Uncle Clifford, who lived with us. He was 63 years old. Uncle Clifford couldn't farm 400 acres by himself. This is 1969. He needed help. My dad had a sister who was a widow. She came in and did the cooking. My little sisters who were three and five years old, they moved in with my aunt and uncle right away. So us three boys were on the farm finishing the school year out. So I get off the bus, and our bus stops. It's about a mile. It's a half mile from the house. It's on a hill. You can see a lot of our farm. And I got off, and there in the fields were all our neighbors with their tractors and their, tra and their plows and their discs and their planters. They were planting our crops. 
I mean, it was Bob Grana, Leland Meyer, Everett Ellison, Bert Juvik, Doc Weimiller, Ed Cooper, Johnny Wolf, Jack Melcher. When you're 12 years old, you know whose tractor's who. <laughs> and these are my dad's buddies making sure their buddies' kids were taken care of. I've had my feet washed. I know it's like to get your feet washed and have absolutely no way to repay it. And the people who are doing it, the washing, they don't expect anything. And that's how I felt on the roof. I thought, this is awesome. This is how you treat a widow. This is how you raise money for an adoption. That night I went out to eat with my wife and I said, you know, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Now my wife at this point is a stay-at-home homeschooling mom. Five kids. And she starts thinking about these crazy questions like, well, have you thought about health insurance? and paycheck and these things. I was concerned about it too, but I said, what would you think about going to work outside the home? And within a little while, about a month, she was working at Belmont University. God took her career. She is now uh, what she calls herself the thanker-in-chief for CWA. It's, a, it's an organization, the largest women's public policy organization that promotes biblical principles in our legislation. God has done an amazing thing with what she does too. And it's, it's not just about me. It's, it's a whole story. We started both hands in August of 08. And this is, what a, this is what a project looks like. Both Hands Foundation allows us to partner with them and find a widow in our community and serve her in a way that can bring joy to her life, uh, help her complete tasks that she can't do anymore. And at the same time, we can then uh, get sponsored to do this project. And those funds then support our adoption fundraiser. I'm Amber. I'm Matt. We're, We're here. the Pierces. We are the Pierces. We're here today to help Miss Bonnie. One, two, three, Bonnie! We're in the process of adoption, but while we wait, uh, we wanted to find a way to serve others and use that to help us raise funds uh, to pay for the costs of bringing a new child into our home. And this is a fun way to put both of those together serve another person in our community and work together with our friends and we're really excited about this opportunity. It would have taken me a long time to do it. I've had some health issues and that's why it, it hasn't gotten done and because I, I couldn't really do it but yeah it's uh, it would take me days to do it and I am just so thankful. I truly am. We wanted to have a big family before we were even married and it was important that you know, through adoption and through whatever God would allow our family to do naturally, uh, we would step up to that challenge. If you would like to sponsor our program through Both Hands Foundation, uh, there's a link directly to our project on their website, and the sponsorships are tax deductible. 100% of those donations uh, come right to our fundraiser. Oh, before and after is like night and day because the weeds were so bad. Uh, stumps and stuff was buried along the side of the house and yeah I'm it's now it's brand new it's, it's so beautiful I, I am just so thankful I, I truly am I cried I don't know how many times I'm just thankful oh those videos always leave me in a mess that was a video of family did themselves, and that's when they sent out to their friends. That's why it was the part about the donations and everything. But that was a, that's a typical project. And here's, here's the part. This is my favorite part. This is what we've done now. We've done 
1,126 projects in 44 states. Tell it, sister. 1,379 kids are no longer orphans. Yeah, praise God. 1,237 widows have been served. There's 14 million widows in this country. We got a long way to go. And in that project, we've raised $14.8 million for families to use for adoptions or organizations to use for funds. And, and, and here's, here's just a little kicker. 100% of that money, that $14.8 million, 100% goes to the cause, to the families. We don't take anything out for our operations. Nothing. I just, honestly, honestly, when I set the thing up, I honestly thought this is going to be the most irresistible nonprofit in America. It's widows and orphans. Who can resist this? And you know what? People have just given donations, said, you just keep doing what you're doing, you know, and helping these families. And it just helps erase all, this, all the skepticism, everything, you know, when we do it that way. And we do our own both hands project to raise funds. That's one of the ways we raise our funds. But this is an awesome thing. And I've, I've got some Bible verses. I thought it makes sense. Uh, the first one is from Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The accident happened when I was 12 years old. I started both hands when I was 52. Anyone doing the math? There's biblical significance to the number 40. And I've had people point that out to me. It's not like I was in the desert starving or anything like that. I'm just, I'm, but it, it's like God was saying, you think I'm going to for a minute waste the pain? You think I'm going to wait for, waste the preparation you've had in these last 40 years? I'm going to use it for good. And it's like he was saying, JT, just sit back, tee it up, and have a great time. Because this is going to be fun. This is what it's all been about. It's the things he's doing. Maybe you're in the middle of something right now. Maybe you're, in the middle of, maybe you're in the middle of 40 years, and it's hard. I'm just telling you, God's got something in mind. Our pain becomes our platform so many times. Hang in there. Another verse that kind of hits me is Joel. I will repay you for the years of locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. God does restore it. God restores the years the locusts have eaten. He doesn't waste our tears. And my favorite one, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You, you weren't really counting because I didn't tell you to count, but if you look at my story, there's at least seven nonprofits that are involved. I didn't start them. They're started by men and women who, who feel that God has something, put something on their heart. And who, that doesn't even count all the nonprofits that they're tied to. You know what? When God's people get together and they encourage one another, unbelievable things happen. When my mom and dad lost their life in a car accident, there was probably a headline in the county paper, if I remember. The headline said something like, local farmer and his wife die in a car accident on Saturday, March 22nd, 1969, on Highway 14 outside of Spring Green, Spring Green, Wisconsin. They leave five children and probably some other stuff. When my aunt and uncle 
took us in, there was no headline. Because unsung heroes don't get headlines. I know what this church is about. There's a ton of unsung heroes in here. You're my heroes. Because when you're adopting, you're about to steal one from the gates of hell. And you've got to armor up for a little bit of battle. And I picture you as, as warriors. Some of you in great shape. Some of you coming in with a sling. Some a little band-aid. But you're here. We're not all called to adopt, but we are all called to take care of widows and orphans. We are. And you may not be the one adopted, but you can wrap around somebody who does. And I just encourage you to do that. This language fires me up, but when I think about it, just I go, yeah. I think about Satan and his little minions getting up in the morning with their little lists. And when he gets to my name, I don't want him checking the box that says, not a threat. I want him thinking, ah, he's up again. You guys got to have the same attitude, and I know you do. That's what's so much fun to be here. There's a 12-year-old kid who's crying on the cold cement floor because he just got dealt a hand. It's not quite average. He needs you. And he's worth it. He's worth it. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for these men and women who are here. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for the people of this church, the, the, the heart and soul that makes this church thrive. Lord, I pray you'll give them strong spines, broad shoulders, and soft hearts. Help them to go do things to make a difference, to make an impact of things that were going to last, the things that really make a difference. Bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.